Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. I'm Kevin. And I'm John. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look back at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. We're going to get into the nitty gritty and examine the good, the bad, the ugly, and the laughable in these movies. But we're always coming from a place of love, you guys. You don't watch these movies as much as we have unless you have a genuine affection for them. Hey, John. Hello, my friend. <laughs> How are my you doing sweet, over there? Sweet friend. I'm good, man. How are you doing? I am I am bundled up. I'm layered up and keeping warm in this brutal cold winter. Yeah, we hope that everyone is uh, is doing the same. That everyone's got a space heater or a electric blanket, or maybe you've got power and water, unlike our friends in Texas and other places right now. We will blame Punk's Tawny Phil that for his uh, prediction of extended winter. I know. Asshole. Um, so we're back with a brand new series on a brand new flick. That's right. We're going back to the well of Arnold. It's the best place to go. You can <laughs> always count on it to uh, to give you the goods. Everything that he do- did, like up until maybe Batman and Robin, was really, even if they weren't all good, but right. they were all interesting in their way. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Arnold, Arnold would carry movies on his own and and make it worth seeing. So we're going to take on one of his more interesting uh, career choices, 1988's Twins. Love it. <laughs> I love it. It's not really an action movie, I guess, per se, no, it's, at all. No, it's definitely got some um, some feats of strength. <laughs> yeah, there's some <laughs> gunplay. Um, yeah, and there are fights aplenty, but um, it's, yeah, it's not it's an Arnold, action movie. Though. It's Arnold, though. So so, it, it's Arnold. That's the loophole for sure. It's Arnold. This movie has the distinction of being more of a comedic turn for Arnold. His first comedic turn. <gasps> what? Truly comedic, I yeah, suppose. Exactly. I should say I I love this movie. It's awesome. I was I was telling you the other day, out of all the movies that I've ever seen in my life, like this one <laughs> movie is probably in the top twenty of movies that I've seen the most times. Yeah, I don't think I can say that, but I've seen it a lot. I This was one of the movies that we had on VHS around the house, like this, E.T., uh, Back to the Future, you know, Top Gun. We had a few that I would just karate kid. Uh, was it a legit store-bought VHS, or was this one that you bootlegged <laughs> off HBO? I think it was bootlegged off HBO. Yeah, I feel like that's, our copy likely was as well. Yeah, but... Um, I would watch it probably weekly. So I might have seen this movie. Oh, wow. I might have seen this movie 200 times in my life. <laughs> That's astounding. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I was saying, like, as I was watching it, I was almost like I would get ahead of the plot. I'd be like, okay, this, then this scene's going to happen, then this scene, then this scene, and this line. And, yeah, it's, like, sort of emblazoned onto my brain. Yeah, it's, it's definitely great. All the performances in it are great. Yeah, directed by Ivan Reitman, comedy royalty. Yes, 
He had done uh, Ghostbusters 1 and 2. He had done Stripes, Meatballs. Then after this, he went on and did Kindergarten Cop and Junior, also with Arnold. He loved Arnold. After after they, Arnold uh, proved himself. For real. <laughs> they got each other paid, I think. Yeah. Um, written by William Davies and William Osborne yep. and Timothy Harris and Herschel Weingrad. Get everybody in the room together. Usually, <laughs> we, we mentioned this on The Rock. Like Usually when you have that many names down as writers, that's a sign that something's gone terribly wrong. Right. But I feel like this one it works pretty well. Yeah, I think everything panned out. I don't know if you read the same thing, but basically it said that these two dudes, William Osborne, William Davies, they, they came up with the idea. They sold it to Reitman, who then once, you know, once he had gone and gotten Schwarzenegger and DeVito attached to it, then they brought in a couple of other writers to sort of adjust the humor to be more suiting for, for Schwarzenegger and DeVito and their size differential and adds right. more pratfalls and physical stuff. It's sort of like when you've written a script, but only D'Souza can fix it because Arnold's in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Apparently also like they had to do some kind of sort of special deal because there was like a writer's strike looming and oh. they signed some special like exception to allow the guys to work even if a strike began or whatever. Right, so that's right. kind of cool. Yeah. Starring uh, Schwarzenegger. We love him. <laughs> we love him. He had like burst onto the scene with like the Conan flicks and uh, and Terminator, and then had gone on and done like Commando, Raw Deal, Predator, Running Man. But this was definitely like his his foray into comedy. He was like yeah. really expanding his horizons of what he could do. He said that uh, doing this movie was the best decision that he ever made in his career. That's sweet. Why? Because you feel like it made him more versatile. I think so. You know, without just, this movie, you don't get Jingle All the Way. Is all I'm know. saying. I that's a that's actually, one we have to keep locked and loaded. And actually, without this one, I doubt that you get something like True Lies, where someone like James Cameron would be like, "I've seen Arnold Let be able be to funny. Do, be funny, and he can do that." Kindergarten Cop, yeah, he's absolutely. like hysterical. Yeah. yeah. Um, then Danny DeVito, you know, was obviously had the comedy chops. He was working yeah. a lot. Yeah. He he had, he was fresh off Throw Mama from the Train. That is such a dark movie. It is so dark. It's so good, though. It's excellent. Um, and he had a little bit of action-adventure experience. He had done the the uh, Romancing the Stone and Jewel of uh, the Nile movies. Those movies, they fuck hard. I love them. I love them. <laughs> They're movies. amazing. The first one especially is yeah, like Romancing the Stone flawless. is astounding. Yeah, it's a perfect uh, action-adventure movie. He had said something like he signed on to do this movie just strictly based on someone telling him he'd get to play Arnold Schwarzenegger's twin brother. And he was like, I'm in. It's kind of like uh, there's that story about snakes on a plane and that Sam Jackson just signed on based strictly on the title. He's like, I'm in. <laughs> He's like, I don't need to see anything I'm else. I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger's twin. I'm in. I'll I love it. it. Perfect. Um, also, there's some uh, some ladies in the movie. Kelly Preston. Hideous. <laughs> she's so she's so gross. Oh, the oh late God. the late Kelly Preston too. Oh, we have rest to say. in peace. Oh, rest yeah, that's peace. a shame. Gone too soon. Yeah, much much too soon. Um, but yeah, she was um, she she was attractive in this film. She's easy <laughs> on the eyes. Uh, she had done a whole bunch of movies before this, like just yeah. little small stuff. But Christine, she was in and Space uh, Space Camp. I don't know that I saw Space Camp. That Christine, was the one that you yes. probably needed to like grow up on. I think I had a friend that had that one on VHS, and it would be just like, let's watch Space Camp. It's kind of like teens at a space camp accidentally get launched into space and have to save the day. Maybe I did see that. That sounds like a familiar premise for a movie. 
I like the even the concept that they're putting these kids in like a live shuttle. Yeah, that's like, badass. Could accidentally launch. I would go to space. And also starring Chloe Webb. Yep. Who played Nancy in the Sid and Nancy movie? Which I, well, I need to watch that then. The, I feel like is yeah. that Sid was um Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Yeah. Yeah, I think I seen it one phenomenal. time. Uh, and then she also, do you remember the like the crazy woman at the beginning of Ghostbusters two? On Bill Murray's talk show, like the yes. talking about having sex with the alien in the yes. Holiday Inn, that was her. Okay, yeah. Reitman uh, hooking her up with another little. That's role. awesome. I did not realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I was totally like, oh, I guess that is her. Yeah, it's just like. That's amazing. But she'll just always be uh, Linda, to me. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, the music is by Georges Delarue. <laughs> the French sounds or French, Canadian or something. who I only know from Platoon. He had won an Oscar, I saw, too, for for original score for a movie called A Little Romance, which I've never heard of Oh, my before. God. I, I always feel bad when I've not seen, like, a, an Oscar-winning film. It looked like I'm that gonna... was the only award it was nominated for, I think. Um, it's from 1979. It's got great music. Uh, and then Randy Edelman, uh-huh. who, we, who we know and love from Last of Mohicans. I saw he was, like, listed as a ton of movies as a conductor. Yeah. He also wrote the theme for MacGyver. I could not hum it for you. If you <laughs> Me held... neither. I had to YouTube it, but I'm just like, that's probably made him more money than anything else that he's if done. If you held a gun made of a rubber band, a paper clip, <laughs> and some chewing gum to my head, I could not hum it for you. Uh, so this movie came out at the end of 88. We were but babies. December 9th, 1988. Yeah, it was yep. filmed in that summer. They wrapped in August and had it out by December. That is quick turnaround. You know, this being a Christmas time movie... I wonder if we saw this one in the theater. I have no recollection of seeing it in the theater, but it could have damn well happened. I definitely wasn't going to see like anything approaching an adult-type movie at this point in my life. My family was like, it was strictly Land Before Time or uh, Five Goes West, that type of stuff. Gina would take us to see the, the classics. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> I'm jealous of you. I would love to have seen this on the big screen. <laughs> Full Dolby. Yeah, absolutely. In the um, Jasper, Georgia movie theater. But yeah, this, so this movie was done like really quick turnaround. The movie was rushed along because as I mentioned, there was like a writer's strike right. looming. So apparently the deal that Schwarzenegger, DeVito, and Reitman had cut was like they just wrote it on a napkin in a, in a restaurant. And they like badass. wrote up a proposal and one of their agents ran it over to Universal. But I think the idea was like, they would all they all agreed to like forego their salary right. to keep the budget down and they would then propose to take a, a cut of the profits. It's like making cap space for your pro football team. Well basically like yeah, they, they were like, We could make this movie for, you know, fifteen to eighteen million or it will cost twice that much, you know, if right. we all get paid. If we so, all take a salary. I think the idea was that they wanted to get Universal to green light it quickly. Yeah. So they basically said you know, they'd work for free in exchange for 40% of the profits. Do you think that even at this juncture in Arnold's career, as popular as he was, as meteoric his rise, that the <laughs> studio saw this and was still like, I don't know, well, Arnold I th- doing comedy? I think that was the idea is that they didn't think that, that the Universal would be willing to pay him, you know, whatever right. he was commanding, $10 million or $15 million or something along that those makes lines. makes sense. To do a comedy, he's untested. Um, but... If he's working for free and only making money, if the movie makes money, then it's kind of a, like a no-lose for Universal. Say what you want about Arnold's acting chops, if you're going to say it negatively. 
Arnold could <laughs> say the lines that you gave him yeah. and, and do something with them. He put his heart and soul into it. Yeah, he for really sure. did. I feel like this was that time in his career where he was starting to sort of take control of his own career. Yeah. Like we mentioned on our series on Total Recall, like that was a movie he picked out for himself and helped sort of develop and got the directors and everything attached. I feel like this was another thing where he's like, I'll work for nothing because I know I can do this and I know that, you know, that audiences will dig it and I'm going to bet on myself. Like I'll make money if the movie makes money and he made a lot of it. Yeah. Basically, it sounded like the way that they divvied it up was that Reitman, DeVito, and Schwarzenegger were going to split up 40% of whatever profits the movie made. Mm. Um, so it was 20% to Schwarzenegger and 10% to the other two. I love it. Yeah, DeVito's like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a lot. <laughs> I think they all like agree. They all felt like it was a winner. Yeah. And they were all willing to bet on that. And then Universal was willing to jump on it quick because it was sort of a... There was almost no risk involved for them. They'd make money if the movie made money. And if it tanked, then they wouldn't have to pay those big stars there. And as charismatic a performer as DeVito is just in general, I bet I can't imagine that any of them were like trepidatious about it. I bet everyone was just like, yeah, we totally got this. And and now in the end, the movie did make over $200 million globally. Jump change. Yeah. Those. So I think what I had seen was what they said was Arnold's cut was like 35 million and the other two got 17 and a half million each. What would but you even do with that? I think that's, <laughs> I think that announced really low though. Yeah. He said that they got 40% of like the, the box office plus video sales, merchandising TV rights, like forever. Yeah. I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like those numbers, the 35 and 17 and a half might've just, just been the box office. That would make sense cut. to me. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it didn't do like, right. it didn't do well critically, but like as far as just people going to see it at Christmas time in 88, they were lining up for it. I sort of feel like the critics were wrong. I agree. I think, I mean, this is not a, it's not an art film, but it's a lot of fun. Like how many comedies are viewed as like fine art? I mean, few, right? Yeah. Like Wes Anderson stuff comes to mind, or but like I mean, Dr. Strangelove or something. Yeah. Like yeah, it. yeah. Oh yeah. But it's like, you know. This is not, we're not here to make fucking Citizen Kane. <laughs> Arnold, we are definitely not here for that. On that same podcast, Arnold said this was the most money he's ever made off any movie that he's ever done was on Twins. Because that deal he made. That's awesome. Betting on himself. I love that. I do too. I wish I want to start living my life like using Arnold, just his, uh, his self-motivation yeah. as a motivator. It's amazing, like just the belief in oneself and the... The willingness to put in the work. He's like, I know I can do this. I know I can do this, and I'm going to work my ass off to do the best I can, and I love that. Well, I guess we should work our asses off to get through <laughs> the plot of episode one without uh, any further ado. Yes, um, indeed. Uh, all right, here Wait, we go. Hold on, what are you sipping over there? Oh, I'm I'm drinking some fine Irish whiskey that I actually had uh, just the regular. This is a an Irish whiskey called Writer's Tears. Um, enjoy, I love the, enjoy I love the for, title for obvious reasons. Find your inspiration in here, but they have uh, just a regular, uh, a regular, regular strength, if you will, mm. Irish whiskey. And this is a doubled oak offering that I found uh, in the Toco Giant just down the street nice. here in Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out Toco Giant! That's right. <laughs> they have got an epic selection. They do. Well, but, but just before I sat down, I threw back a couple of shots of this rum that I've got from St. Mark. You feeling the island breeze? Uh, yeah, man, it's, that was sweet like candy. I hope you're feeling, imagine yourself on a, 
on a desert island, a, a tropical, tropical island. Paradise, 300 that's miles sort of, south, southwest of Fiji. That's sort of where the action takes <laughs> uh, picks up at the very beginning. Indeed. So the film begins with voiceover narration by one Verna, uh, who's, a, who's a scientist who's explaining the details through which Julius and Vincent Benedict, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, uh, were born. We get a, a shot of two like two big steel doors with genetic research department written on them. Totally. And, and a chromosome. So <laughs> Chromosome. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so Werner says in the VO that he told Julius about his origins on his 35th birthday. So we get, uh, so we get a little background here. I feel like, I mean, neither Schwarzenegger nor DeVito were particularly close to the age of 35. When no. This movie was made. No. Schwarzenegger was 41 and DeVito was 43. Like, I, I just wondered why they didn't say on their 40th birthday. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. So, Werner says that in the 1950s, 1953 to be exact, that Julius was born as the result of a top-secret genetic experiment, which was financed by the U.S. government, and was intended to create a, quote, physically, mentally, and spiritually advanced human. Mm-hmm. Kevin, this is some Captain America bullshit. <laughs> that is like... We're looking at this like sort of primitive looking laboratory yeah. setup. There's a young Werner in there holding like a flask. What, what could only be a beaker full of jizz. A flask of jism. <laughs> of white <laughs> of white genetic material. Yeah. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm convinced. I think we're both convinced that Werner's probably an ex Nazi. Uh, it sounded very Nazi ish. And this is some imported Third Reich, <laughs> let's make a superhuman sort of experimentation going right on. it's like oh there were six fathers chosen for their genetic excellence okay excuse me <laughs> eugenics the movie so yeah six fathers were used um only one of the guys looks to be you know because we know julius is schwarzenegger only one of the guys looks to be any kind of a physical specimen and they're all old balls like even yeah. at this time I felt like they must have all been like former Olympians and, and what they say, Nobel Prize winners. Great and scientists like this. and philosophers and stuff. Yeah, that was just like brilliant minds in lots of different fields. Yeah. Um, and then we're introduced through the VO to Marianne Benedict, who was chosen to be the mother, played so, by Heather Graham. Yeah, uncredited early Heather Graham yeah. appearance. The way Warner's like describing it makes it sound like she's almost just a vessel. Well, she he calls her a remarkable woman and... I wonder what her deal was and how she was selected. Do she, we think it's her her egg? It's not like a, a embryo that's put into her. I think that yeah, that it she was so maybe she was selected because she was also a great. They give us nothing no. about that. Now we know she was a remarkable from the film woman. Why? that she's a great artist. Yeah, but they why they ought to have mentioned that instead of just making it sound like she was almost inconsequential, like. You know, the dudes are all these prestigious award winners and stuff like that. And she's a remarkable woman, too. It doesn't it doesn't fly. But um, we then find out that it doesn't matter because she died during the delivery <laughs> or so Julius was told. Sad times. Yeah. Um, and it's only at this moment that Werner is telling. I love that he says, I'm telling him now at this moment that, <laughs> that Julius had a, a brother, a twin brother, because there was a second child born. There's no way they didn't see that coming, right? The scientists? I, I mean, I just, I they don't know. They haven't done the research about when they started having sonograms and all that. You would think, though, that the most brilliant medical minds in the field would have someone in there that could feel a woman's tummy and be like, wait, we got something going well, on. Well, you would hear, like, two heartbeats yeah, and stuff, exactly. right? That's usually how it goes. Like, yeah. I, I don't There's, buy that it was a surprise. I can't see it coming as a shock. Unless Vincent was, like, such 
shit, like such genetic shit. Well, that he, he was like, leached like, on. To I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like hiding, hiding out in there. <laughs> so yeah, then we see two baby boys with exceptionally different characteristics. The way that they did the, this with the credits was brilliant to me. Like bringing in yeah, the two babies totally. and then having the names of the actors, Schwarzenegger and DeVito, pop up on top of the babies. I found myself trying to remember if that's the way that they did the credits in like Look Who's Talking with Bruce Willis. But I don't think it is. That one started off weird with like it's sperm swimming through fallopian tubes yeah. or whatever up in a uterus. Yeah. Popping in an egg. And they were like racing each other. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Um, baby Julius. He's like a six months old. He's like not a, new, <laughs> not a newborn. He's like big and ruddy complected and smiling. And the other baby's like small and mewling. He's got like dark hair, <laughs> like thick dark hair. Yeah. Um, they're sharing a crib. Baby Vincent seems to like uh, get enjoyment out of kicking baby Julius. So he's a dick from day one. So the uh, the infants are for some reason separated at birth. Werner, yeah. Werner says he brought Julius to this tropical paradise while Vincent, for some reason, was sent off to an orphanage in Los Angeles. How the hell would that happen? That is some bullshit. That's monstrous. There's never any indication that that was some part of the experiment. I feel like it would have been more interesting if they'd been keeping up with Vincent all that time. Like a prolonged like their intent had been to create superman yeah but then they had this other thing they're like well we're scientists like so why don't Truman we use this show scenario yeah or what, like or do you remember the did you ever watch any of the up series on the bbc like seven up and oh, then 14 i up? know of it but i haven't watched them man you should go check that out that yeah. is really interesting like like uh people study anthropological study nature versus nurture i mean there's no way to test an iq or anything like that like to just decide this is the big one so this is the one that must be good and we're going to treat the other one like literal trash yeah that, why would that's they a not, great point why, why would they not want to study both of them like, like send them both no, to the island there's no i can't imagine any scenario in which they're like yeah take that one to the orphanage but we will we will give him his birth mother's last name or why like, they? Why, I mean, like, why not just kill it? I, you know, it's dark. But it it's is. Like, but these guys are Nazis anyway. It is totally. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. It it's it is bizarre. It's monstrous for them to just take it to an orphanage and drop it off and say adieu. Yeah. Um. So anyway, Julius Werner tells us has spent his entire life on the island being educated and and working for him. That would be a dream, right? It's a beautiful island. It is like and I saw I, I looked up the location where they filmed was somewhere a little bit south of Los Angeles, an old uh, closed like aquatic park. That's cool. Um, it looks like Werner's running a damn biodome out there. There's a resort on that property now. But I will say, you know, like they were up on a cliff and uh-huh. the beach down below is where uh, Martin Riggs trailer was in the Lethal Weapon. Oh, that's awesome. They filmed. That's yeah, badass. Amazing. I would love to live there. Until California falls into the ocean or climate change. <laughs> that sea levels, yeah, is going to jack you up. Yeah. So upon learning of Vincent's existence, which is a hard clause to say, <laughs> and despite his say. ignorance of the outside world, Julius decides to leave the island to look for Vincent because why wouldn't you? Um, Werner fears that Julius isn't equipped to make it in the real world because he doesn't have a whole lot of real world experience. Right. And he's like learned everything he's ever Learn from books, and he has a lot of fucking books and free weights. I wouldn't. I looked. Yeah, I looked at his like living space. Well, first of all, it's in a lot more disarray than you would expect. Like yeah. for a dude who's supposed to be perfect, well, it was tidy, like cluttered. Tidy wasn't one of the attributes that they. <laughs> but bred. yeah, it was a lot of weights, a lot of books about health and fitness. There was like microscopes and primitive electronics in there. Yeah, Julius sort of sounds. I, I wish that I spoke. 
I wish I spoke 12 languages. Three languages. <laughs> Julia speaks 12 and excels in history, science, mathematics, literature. Um, he's pure of body and spirit. And, and he also seems to know karate or he's some got like shit. A, he's got a sensei. That, that's a funny bit, though, where he catches, like, just, it breaks up, the, like, the sort of the calm progression of the uh -huh. video. And then all of a sudden, he's got, <laughs> like, he's got skills for violence, which I guess you need to lay in. Yeah, totally. Well, if, if, if you're Superman, if you're breeding Captain America. <laughs> According to the internet, that dude who's teaching him karate on the island is that actor from Mortal Kombat. Which actor? The Shang. What? Shang Tsung. Yeah. Ah, that uh, that's um, Tagawa, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. I can't. I need to go back and look at that again because I don't see it. They would have. They put a bunch of old age makeup and like yeah. a gray wig on him. If it's I would him. have never. I mean, I kind of thought that the he looked familiar, but yeah, they've got a gray wig or they grayed his hair and stuff. Wasn't he on the credits or or uncredited as like Oriental Man? Oh God, I hope not. But that's that wouldn't nothing. surprise me. It was <laughs> I, a, it was the eighties though, I guess. So. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's really cool. I guess. I like that. <laughs> well, it's anyway. good for him, I suppose. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Julius is like not listening to Werner, urging him not to go look for Vincent. He's probably just like me. I love that. They're such, he's probably just like me. He's so excited. Arnold does a great job of playing the innocent in this movie. Uh-huh. Um, so Julius decides to embark on his quest, rowing off into the open ocean on a raft. <laughs> There's clearly a motor on that thing. Where was the John Matrix Speedo? <laughs> That's, I was kind of wishing that like, there. this is the first of many times that I wish that Julius and John Matrix had interacted with one another, like here, like rowing past each other uh -huh. and then like later at the airport <laughs> that like that matrix is going into the airport with the goons <laughs> to go to valverde as, universe. as julius is exiting i um, never noticed so like yeah he's got the he's, he's putting the raft in the water is like his martial arts instructor is helping him right and i never noticed before there's like a large woman there who's the moo -moo? who someone's lines got cut is she I'm the like, cook do you think that's the extent of the people that are living on the island is those four because like he he's seems like have, he's never encountered. He's got to have much a small anything. staff, like like farm workers and stuff okay. like that, that are helping. I imagine that there's not more than a few dozen people on that island. I looked up a uh, mumu, and it is like a a Polynesian like garment. That makes sense. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So apparently, Julius is going to row for 27 miles to the closest <laughs> island with an airport, and we'll go ahead and call this Arnold's first feet of strength in the movie <laughs> oh shit i love it so if you're if you're drinking at home take a little sip indeed feet of strength um and werner tells us that julius is making haste because he's convinced that his brother vincent is in trouble and needs he's desperately in need of his help that's our first little inkling that there's some sort of like a telepathic yeah. psychic connection between the two as you said, that raft was like either being towed or had a damn outboard on it. It, it looks like an outboard. It was like, flying. I love it though. It's so funny. It's so funny. Oh, it's amazing because it's you know shows you how how fucking yoked and strong he's this supposed man is. to be. Like yeah, Superman. So meanwhile, in L.A., we we get our first glimpse of Vincent Benedict. <laughs> In the middle of a sex act, uh, <laughs> mid-afternoon, mid <laughs> with, with some woman, and then we hear somebody uh, off camera say, honey, I'm home. That's an amazing character introduction. Yeah, yeah. He's like, the woman's like, oh, no, and then she jumps off him, and he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Well, I just like that it sort of, it sets up the, you know, Danny DeVito as as this Lothario, he's as like this a lech. lech. Yeah, <laughs> he's always a ladies' man. Amazing. So, um, yeah, so there's some cool stunt work of, who, like, the body double, like, shimmying uh -huh. out of that house. It looks really good. 
can we talk about the fact that he somehow fully like dressed socks and shoes on shirts tucked in like he did not scramble out as quickly as possible or he's got the superhuman he's been dressing doing, abilities he's been doing this since he was 12 vince uh, julius <laughs> julius has superhuman abilities vincent has other superhuman abilities so i love that he like he's like walking down the sidewalk with his little electric razor weird like and that he i like that he carries it with him for such that's occasions. a thing that he does on multiple yeah. occasions in the film he kn- yeah, he knows that he looks good without any stubble. Anyway, he's like checking out a jogger as he walks by. and I love that. He's um, like, hello, hello. Oh, my goodness, hello. <laughs> he uh, We see him walk up to his 80s model Mustang convertible, which we're, we're not huge fans of if you've listened to the podcast. That was a that was a dark time for the Mustang. It had a beast of a engine on it. Yeah, it did. Um, and then he's parked illegally for the first of many times, <laughs> just takes the ticket off the windshield. Goodbye. Goodbye. Tosses it. Um, we see him in the next shot. We see two ladies uh, who we mentioned earlier played by uh, Chloe and Kelly and Kelly Preston playing Linda and Marnie. Chloe, Sisters. Yeah. Chloe and, Webb. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, Vincent Parks and approaches the two women. They're reading their horoscopes while I walking thought, down the sidewalk. I thought Vincent did a really shitty job of parking. Yeah. But then I was also like, but that kind of like is true that's to his, his character. Thing. Yeah, that's totally his <laughs> he, thing. I feel like he was parked in two spots. Yeah, so he, Linda turns around. She is thrilled to see Vincent, and we immediately get that Marnie is not. Marnie's yeah. like, I thought you guys broke up. And she's like, we did. But she's like <laughs> kissing all on him anyway. Um, this is the first of many times that we'll have to ask ourselves, like, what does she see in him? Well, it, well, she answers it later on, but we'll get to that later. So <laughs> Vincent, Vincent, uh, yeah, he sort of like tells the audience that Linda and Marnie are sisters and asks for a word with Linda. Mm-hmm. Um, as they're entering the restaurant where the sisters work, Marnie like sort of shouts over, don't give him any money. <laughs> cut to. And hard, yeah, hard <laughs> cut to Vincent asking Linda for money. Uh. Um, she resists, but he gives her the puppy dog eyes and does this weird like grunting, like... That was... What is that? Somehow DeVito, like, sells it for yeah. me. I, don't, he, I think he believes it. Whatever it is he's doing, he believes That's it. That's right. Yeah, he starts quoting the lyrics to I only have I only have eyes for you, Linda. Um, all <laughs> Maybe this, millions of people go by, but they all disappear <laughs> from view. I love it. All it's of a this, great song, by the way. All of, oh, it is fantastic. And billions of different versions of it. So all this seems to weaken Linda's resolve. They kiss. I don't. Linda doesn't strike me as a person who's got a lot of money to dole out. No. Well, maybe she saves. She, I feel like she and Marnie are, are they savers. Roommates? Yeah, they definitely live together. I okay. get the feeling that they do. Um, it's at that moment that a burly man enters the restaurant. Vincent recognizes him as he calls him the baby Clayne. and yeah. this is um, Maury Chaikin, who <laughs> who you, you may remember from Dances with Wolves as Major Fambro. Shit! Wait, wait! I who just said- pissed in my pants. And nobody can do anything about it. Oh, like the crazy guy in yeah. charge of the fort? He, like, shoots himself right as... Uh, that dumb, is the same dumb bear. guy. Yeah, right as Dumb Bear rides out into the wilderness. Um, he's been in a variety of different movies. He's always really good, too. He's good at the little character roles. Yeah. Um, this role's different from Fambro. Uh, <laughs> so Vincent immediately hits the deck, trying to hide. The man approaches Linda. Where's the little shit? You'll have to be more specific. We have a very <laughs> specific clientele. That was a good, that's a pretty good joke. Oh, it's really like, good. Is she, like the joke, all, all the people who come in here are yeah. shit. Everyone's a dirtbag <laughs> here. He's obviously looking for Vincent. Um, Linda and Marnie cover for Vincent as he like crawls out of the back of the restaurant. Um, <laughs> Linda like calls to Marnie like, 
Uh, he wouldn't come in here, isn't that right, Marnie? And gets the guy, gets the claim to turn around and like DeVito's in, the in full view. But, right? He's just under a table that's like a little pedestal table. But he is very small. <laughs> and maybe and maybe Bert Klain is so tall, Chaykin's character. Uh, I mean, now I will say if I turned around and Kelly Preston was standing there, I might not see anything else. You would not notice Danny DeVito crawling, crawling off. What did she push off the table on right. him? So once upon a time when I worked in a restaurant, that the crap that she sweeps off on him sort of looks like the remnant of like a big family coming into a restaurant for Mother's Day and like a child has like destroyed bread and just like broken the bread up on the table and is nothing but crumbs and macaroni shit and that it just looks like she just Uh, that's what it looks like it looked like yeah it looked like either crumbled up cake or fucking like feta cheese or something just it was gross either way I would open my mouth um (laughs) catch a little get a snack for the road so then we cut to a jet in midair, and Julius has somehow rode and made it to an airplane where he is loudly singing along to Yakety Yak. That's some interesting in-flight music. Yeah, I, yeah, he's got the big like Think sort of the stethoscope the headphones that oh I guess they used to have on planes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see fellow passengers who are equally amused and annoyed by this large man singing Yakety Yak. Arnold is funny. Like, yeah. the way he cracked his voice. You get four. What would you... I, I like that Arnold doesn't mind letting himself, like, be the butt of the joke. No. I feel like Stallone, never. Ne- oh, God, no. He would never allow himself to be the one God. to be laughed at. Stallone sucks. <laughs> what, what would your reaction be if you were on that flight and there was just a guy singing top of his lungs? I would probably summon a flight attendant. <laughs> And ask them to take care of. Okay. So yeah. maybe that's what happened on this flight. Yeah. Because the flight attendant does arrive. I feel like she was yeah, either there or she was making her rounds. Um, and she very flirty and nicely asks him to tone it down. Uh-huh. And he's uh-huh. like, I've never heard this kind of music before. He's like lost in her cleavage. Uh, he was like staring down her, yeah. her top. And then as, as she, she had it going on, by the yeah, way, yeah, she, we, yes. we must say it to be fair to Julius. Yes. He... For a man, it didn't matter that he hadn't seen a lot of women before. She was a very attractive woman. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Julius enjoys the view as she walks away. She was fit. <laughs> um, and uh, meanwhile, like the two live crew remix of the song kicks in. Yeah, take, take out, out the papers. papers. And it's got that record take scratching. Take out the papers. So uh, at LAX, Julius looks around in wonderment as, he, as he's leaving the airport. That um, is the Tom Bradley International Terminal that you mentioned right. earlier, where, uh, <laughs> where John Matrix was dropped off by... Uh, Bennett and Sully and Enriquez took him uh, to take his flight down to Valverde. John, I'll be waiting, John. <laughs> it would be amazing if the sound design had just had that playing. That would the, have been and- fucking amazing. <laughs> that was a missed opportunity. Uh, um, so in then we get a killer montage of uh, Julius exploring Hollywood. I really, really like this because I've never been out of LAX in Hollywood. Okay, I, I would really like to go just like see la the walk once. of fame and all yeah. that yeah it's kind of cool to see so we see him seeing the sights the walk of fame he sees lassie star he's sampling all different kinds of street food and i bet la street food is dope even in the 80s they always talk about like oh the best way to learn about a place is you know sample like what the people are eating there so i think that's a little bit of what was yeah, happening it looks like he's he's eating like street dogs ice cream shawarma like some other kind of like pizza Dude, your stomach would be a wreck. I imagine he's been eating nothing but organic his whole life. Yeah, but if if you are Superman 
are you genetically predispositioned to like be able to do stuff like that in case you find yourself over enemy lines on (laughs) amazing (laughs) on my like 300th viewing or whatever my last viewing was i noticed as he's walking and eating the ice cream he is distracted by like there's a pimp roughing up a prostitute like in the background i've never noticed that ever i didn't notice it it's like this dude sort of strong arming a woman in the background and i was just like wow i wonder if in a different version he intervened maybe um there's also the nice moment with the homeless guy yeah i feel like that that's something arnold would probably actually do yeah it's like you need this food i don't think the dude was seeking food necessarily delicious street dog more than i than i do i also love the shout out to the uh the la phenomenon of the the la low riders as they come bouncing around the corner that's dope um, the culture, like there's that he's at the wig shop. There's just a bunch yeah. of weird stuff happening. And then we get him out front of Grauman's Chinese Theater where Willow is playing, which I love. <laughs> one of my faves. Did, was that a theatrical viewing for you? Um, no, it was not. But we definitely had that one on VHS, like store bought VHS. Okay, I loved that movie. That was not a one that was in heavy rotation. You for know me. what? Maybe we did that one. Maybe one that we also saw in the theater. I don't know. I can't remember, but I remember wearing that VHS tape out. I rewatched recently, like for the first time in decades. And did I you was, mo- it didn't, I was like, Ooh, did I like this? Or cause I was, oh, that's surprising to me. I, I did not like, um, what's the, I did not like, um, Mav Mardigan, Val Kilmer's character. Like War- Warwick Davis. I did not like Warwick Davis's performance. Matt Mardigan, Matt Mardigan. Well, like it was just a whole lot of screaming. Everything was screaming. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. We'll agree to disagree that it's the greatest <laughs> movie of all time. <laughs> Fair. Uh, there's a great meta moment, though. Well, we, we should mention that out in front of the theater, we get a moment where Julius is sort of standing there looking at it, and Vincent walks up, like, right next to him. They don't know each other, and it would scratch <laughs> yes. their butts in, in unison, which is amazing, before, like, parting ways. I bet that was, like, a treat for bystanders, like, on the day they were filming. You know, they don't... Like totally. I bet there were people just off like, oh my gosh, it's DeVito and Schwarzenegger. That's so cool. That's yeah, that would be amazing. Then we get this amazing meta moment with uh he uh Julius walking by a Rambo three poster. So there's Stallone and all of his like shredded glory on the poster looking <laughs> right. sullen yes. and dour. <laughs> and um and yes, like Schwarzenegger Julius sort of looks up at it, like holds up his muscle. His own arm because it's like feels his bicep. Because it says bigger round is Stallone's whole body. Bigger. Yeah, and then he's like bigger. then he just sort of <laughs> He, then he just sort of chuckles and like, like, fooey, like oh fooey, like at this guy. Uh, I feel like, again, like even that poster irked me. I love Schwarzenegger. Like I love that moment tells me Schwarzenegger felt no sort of inferiority or like threatened by Stallone in any way. And probably had heard rumors that the the opposite was true that Stallone was like very threatened by. By Schwarzenegger. I don't know anyway. if they were friends at that point. Right. They, of course, became friends right. later. So elsewhere, Vincent pulls up to a parking deck at the airport where he meets his friend, Al, who is David Caruso, during a very interesting time in his career. <laughs> he gives a nice little performance, though. Yeah. As Al Greco. Yeah. You think um, that tattoo on his arm was real? It looked it looked real enough. It did. I mean, it fits for his character too, being a little like a little bit shady or I whatever. I wish that I could have seen like what it all looked like, but I also feel that this was a time where like fake tattoos weren't a real common thing in movies. I don't know why you spend movies. the money to put a fake tattoo on this guy's arm yeah. for like, one scene. Or yeah, whatever. I don't. I don't feel like that. That's something that studios were doing a whole lot of at the time. 
Um, Vincent tells Al that he owns the claims twenty thousand dollars. Al can't believe. So we know we know that he's in trouble because Al can't believe that he borrowed money from those guys. Yes. Um, and sort of like heated about it, like genuine. You can hear concern in his voice. Vincent says he's desperate, so Al directs him to a car that he can steal from the deck. There's a uh-huh. BMW install twenty, and um, everyone needs a friend like Al. <laughs> I wonder what Al's take is in that situation, or is he getting? I a think five hundred bucks a car was That's, my thought. That'd be so awesome. Um, anyway, <laughs> until you fired or yeah. arrested, yeah, until you're arrested. Uh, so yeah, Vincent deftly steals the car. This is obviously not a new thing for him, and is not subtle about driving it out of there. He is burning rubber the entire way out of the parking. I, it's like he cut like a crazy 180 spin. It was yeah. Vincent's <laughs> also a really good driver, I gather. <laughs> he um, is. So um, uh, right after that, he uh, we see him unloading the car at a chop shop where he gets uh, shortchanged on his payment. A car like, like this, you should get six thousand. He only gets four thousand. Uh-huh. Uh, I love the dude. He's like, it's a recession. Everything's tough. He's like, if you want to try someone else, it's no hard feelings. He's very magnanimous. But he's like, you seem tense. Tony, you have trouble with your bowels? Yeah, he's chugging that God fucking Pepto Bismol. <laughs> God love Tony's got an ulcer. Reaganomics was hard on everyone. Um, meanwhile, Julius is checking out. Uh, Playmates lingerie shop when a stranger approaches him. Uh, that dude was big. Yeah, he was very he tall. He was like as tall as Arnold, yeah. at least. Uh, he was also, I love that Julius was also like checking out women as they walked by. And so it's <laughs> been an interesting an interesting day, eye-opening day for Julius, to <laughs> be his sure. His horizons are being broadened. <laughs> That's right. Sure. Yeah, he, he's amazed uh, in looking at the shop that women would wear that kind of lingerie. But the guy is trying to distract him because there's another guy pulling up on a motorcycle. And as he's driving by, he tries to grab Julius's suitcase. Uh-huh. Julius manages to hold on, yanking the guy off the bike. And this is our second feat of strength. <laughs> uh, your or my arm would have been ripped clean out of the socket. Sure. Yeah, yes. we would have no arm or, or it'd be dislocated. I feel sure. like maybe the motorcycle driver's arm was ripped out of the socket. Pro- yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, the guy seems injured. Julius like leans over and immediately can tell that the guy's got a concussion, maybe some broken ribs or something. It was interesting because he's like, I wondered what that he's like, uh oh, like it was something, but he felt around his shoulder. It could have been like a cracked shoulder blade. Yeah, he's like collarbone. Like we got to get him to the we get him to the clinic. We have to get him to the hospital. It's like I'll carry him to a hospital. And they're like, no, no, no. What you just leave us alone. And Julius is like very apologetic. The next time you should really consider wearing helmets. I love the way Arnold played that scene. He's just like, oh, so sorry. I feel terrible. I feel terrible about this. I loved all that. When I like was, how like outgoing and magnanimous is. His, he's just an innocent, naive, like farm boy, basically. He's in a awesome. Big city. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Vincent is leaving a store, presumably close by is the, is the vibe that I got. Uh-huh. And he's like complaining as he's exiting after he apparently failed <laughs> to sell some socks. I love that. If you don't want to buy them, don't buy them. Don't say they're cheap. These are quality socks. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's so good. Could any person just walk into a store? I mean, it was a different time and just say, hey, I got a box of socks. I'm sure I depend. Yeah, like at a L.A. bodega, like yeah, bo- okay. at an L.A. bodega, rather. Probably you'd be able to walk in and like hawk whatever. Be like, hey, I got 15 pairs of socks. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you 50 bucks for them. Not, and, yeah, and okay. then sell them at a market. You, now, what, where did those socks come from? They fell off a truck. Yes, definitely. Okay, or he stole them. He <laughs> he found them in the trunk of a car he stole. 
Um, okay. So as he's walking back to his car, we see a policeman leaving him a ticket on the windshield. Classic Benson. Yes. And, and we see he's parked in a handicapped spot along the line. Do I look normal to you? I like, this is, you're parked in a handicapped spot, sir. So, so do I look normal to you? Yeah. Like, you don't have the sticker in your windshield. So sticker. You don't need a sticker. Handicap uh, my ass. Yeah. And so like, he's like he's just giving, giving an attitude. Mad attitude. He's asking for what happens next when the cop asks. $53. Yeah. Man, I wish that I'd I know that seems really to... low, right? Yeah. That's back in the day, I guess. Pre inflation. So, so, cut to Vincent being put in the back of a squad car. He's like, Your, your birthday just passed and your license expired. <laughs> like, happy birthday. He so, tells him he's got over 200 unpaid parking tickets. Uh, can we talk about how much parking tickets suck? And that one time, my car, I like walked out. I had so many, Kevin, I had so many outstanding parking Where? tickets in Madison, Wisconsin. When Were I was up like there doing campus school. campus or something? No, it, it's just like every street in Madison's like ticketed parking. And it's like they switch from like Monday to Thursday, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday are the days Shit. that you can like, and you have to move your car every day. I haven't gotten parking tickets. I've gotten like oh, moving man. violations, but not parking. I, one time, so like I'd just been planning. I was like, I'm going to be leaving Madison soon. And then no one's ever going to hear from me again. It's not even going to matter that I have all these parking <laughs> tickets. So I, I go outside one There's morning. Be like a warrant I go arrest. outside one morning and my car is gone so oh, i was like so i call a number like what happens when your car gets to or well, yeah did you so think it was stolen or you knew no i, I had a feeling <laughs> so <laughs> I, I called and they're like yeah we got your car to show up oh. and no shit the lady at the desk she just like like sucked air between her teeth she went and i was like oh no and she's like you owe thirteen hundred dollars of parking <laughs> tickets which oh I had to pay God. before they would release my car. Yeah, that was a terrible day. Uh, you were you were like a young Vincent Devito. I was <laughs> a young Vincent Benedict. That's Vincent, amazing. I wonder if his nickname was Eggs. <laughs> um, anyway, Julius. We cut to Julius at the orphanage where Vincent was raised. This is uh, St. Charlotte's, played by the Mary Andrews Clark Memorial Home. Yeah, that was built in 1913 as a YWCA for all you architecture buffs. I saw like it was it had an earthquake damage in 87 so like yep. just before this and now is reopened as a, a housing for like low income people. I like that. I it's love amazing. It. It's a beautiful building. It is gorgeous. There's a building there's a very similar thing in uh in Houston. It used to be some kind of a hospital okay. that they've like uh, you know um the like city 19, owns it or 1920s the or 30s, it. yeah. And they've turned it into like a low income housing it basically become an artist colony. It's beautiful. Anyway, cool. so Julius, while he's walking around with the nun, with Mother Superior, played by Frances Bay from Karate Kid. I fucking love her, dude. She's been in every Yeah, Blue Velvet, Happy Gilmore, and about 10 million episodes of television. She was in Wild at Heart, too. I like that she's, like, yeah. worked with Lynch multiple times. I do, too. But she is a Lynchy person because she feels like just sort of middle America. Yeah, like and she's sort of odd-looking. Grandma from Kansas or something. Yeah. As she asks how he knew it was Vincent's bed, he's like, it's the one I would have chosen because it's next to the fire alarm, the extinguisher, and he would have wanted to save all the orphans. I like, she's like, there's only been one fire here and Vincent started it. That's so fucking <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. He wants to know, like, was Vincent, is, was he very athletic? Was he into, he into philosophy? chess and poetry? That's she's, a hard no. She's like, like, no. Yeah, She so she says that a lot of um, information from Vince's file is gone but she show you know she shows him what she's got. There's a photo of young Vincent with a nun, Sister Maria, who he apparently <laughs> fucked. <laughs> That's uh, the she, biology she, teacher. The, the euphemism was 
he disgraced her. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's horrible. Um, yeah, and and says that Vincent stole money from the orphanage and ran away. And Julius is not taking all this news very well. He's like, okay. So, but uh-huh. with no leads to go on, the nun suggests that he check the area jails. That's I, harsh. I love the nun. It's like, I pray that you don't find him. <laughs> Jesus. He's like, you're too good. Like, you're full of goodness. That's right. So we cut to uh, jail, interestingly enough, and we see a forlorn Vincent sitting in a cell. A uh, guard walks up and tells him he's got a visitor. Uh, we see Julius waiting, and a huge guy who looks just like him walks past. Uh, and you, you told me that that's the guy that was like his longtime stunt double, that right? Is, that is Peter Kent, ah. who turned up as like his sort of body double in um, Running Man. Yeah. When they were having, you know, the a, chase a at fake the airport. fight happen or whatever. No, the, the, um, when they were grafting Arnold's face onto oh, the other the guy's deep body. Fake? Okay. The deep fake. But yeah, he was Arnold's stunt double in 14 Arnold movies from Terminator yeah. through. Like, I can't remember the last one, maybe Eraser or one even after that. Not difficult to see why. Looks just like him. So um, it's when Julius turns his attention back to the glass, he sees Vincent standing there and is shocked (laughs) by what he sees. That double take that Arnold did was solid work. Yeah. So he motions for Vincent to, like, just wait a moment and goes to the desk and double checks if he's got the right guy. The guy says, yeah, that's him. Um, Wouldn't the most likely scenario be that this is just another guy named Vincent Benedict? Who happens to be in the city? Could like, be. if you're Julius, yeah, would you say I must Could have be. the wrong Vincent? I don't think they would tell him his like birthday to know that they had the same birthday. Yeah, probably. Not. I don't know. Yeah, probably not. Can we talk for a second about how Arnold is dressed? How <laughs> what's Julius wearing? Julius is wearing like baggy navy blue shorts. Yeah, yeah. Um, gym socks that are like rolled down, like tube socks, yeah. highest tube socks that are rolled down to. I don't know, like four inches or five above his ankle. <laughs> they look like kind of leg warmer, like flash dance style and leg he's warmers. he's wearing high top Converse's. High top, Chuck yes, Taylor's, And he's wearing uh, like a pink button down shirt like and a, like a, a linen, shirt and and like a, a linen blazer. With like a million buttons. It was like a five button blazer or something. It was just, was, was that a cool look or was he meant to look like a I think he's meant fish to out look of water kind of derp? Yeah, like a, a geek. I think that probably the the shorts and a t-shirt and the converse would not it look like a kid in gym from the 50s or something the okay. 60s. But like I think that everything else was like these Werner was like these are the nicest clothes we have. Sure. Here wear these clothes to meet your brother. And I want to live in a place where you don't need long pants. I I want to live in a place where I don't need shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and you could have your island and I'll live in Iceland. Okay. Uh so Julius returns to the glass and just starts talking, not understanding how the phone system works. And Vincent's just kind of sitting there, like, waving his hands and going, like, blah, 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 blah. Before finally motioning for him to pick up the phone, which Julius does and starts his whole spiel over again. He says that he's come halfway around the world to meet him. Vincent just assumes immediately that he's with the the Clean Brothers and tells him he's like, I've still got time to pay. He's got that Clean Brother build. Yeah, and, and like... And them sending somebody to harass me in jail is not cool. Julia says, I don't know who the Claim brothers are. And that he's like, that you're my brother. And Vincent says, come again. Like, my name is Julius. I'm your twin brother. And it's like long pregnant pause. And Debbie's like, <laughs> well, obviously. The moment I sat down, I thought I was looking in a mirror. It's a great <laughs> delivery from DeVito. I do. And like Schwarzenegger's holding his own. I love his thing. We're not identical twins. Yeah, like he's immediately sort of miffed. He's like, hey, all right, I get that it's it's sort of 
weird, but it's like we're not identical. Vincent like, wants oh, no? some more. I wouldn't be too short, pal. <laughs> yeah, Julius must not have appreciated the condescending tone. Um, then he says he gets serious and says that he wants to help Vincent out of jail. And Vincent replies that money talks and bullshit walks. <laughs> to which Julius replies, yeah, this one. He's like, how can bullshit walk? That's uh, slang, huh? Oh God! Vincent tells him to get, he's, see that see that guy over there. Go pay him. Go give him some money, and I'll I'll be anything that you want. <laughs> he's like, I, I give him money. He's like, yeah, you give him money. They let me out. I love. Arnold was so good at playing all these moments like so earnestly and, yeah. and sincerely, honestly, innocence. Like, yeah, totally. A weird childlike innocence about him. Very much so. Love it. So walking out of jail. Vincent says that he needs more money to get his car out of the impound. Julius is like, I've got, I've got more money. <laughs> really? And he's like, I'll give it to you because you're my brother and I love you. I love him calling, like, Vincent's calling him, hey, 20. 20, yeah. <laughs> hope, it didn't, hope, hope he didn't set you back too much, yeah. So Vincent <laughs> says to cut out all the love talker, he'll toss his cookies. And we get, oh, that's more slang. That's more slang. Um, out in the impound lot, Julius correctly identifies Vincent's car before it's pointed out to him. Another little, like, psychic moment. Yeah. Vincent's curious how Julius knew which car was his, and Julius says, you know, it's because we're twins. We're twins! <laughs> uh, oh, then he talks sure. about how excited he is to spend time getting to know Vincent. He's like, can't wait to, like, hang out and read and talk like, we're gonna and go play to museums, chess. talk philosophy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Vincent, like, hops in the car and fucking speeds off. He does. He just straight ditches him. But Julius, ever the optimist, he's so full of energy. <laughs> that is, that's vicious for Vincent to like he's just fucking ditch. asshole. Yeah. Like, what, what was the little document stuck in the wind in the windshield? I wipers? feel it like just, it was, it's not a new ticket. Is no, it already? I feel like it's it's a it's like the impound slip that they okay. put on your windshield that's got the number of the car on sure. it. I think now that has like, to now be. they just like they like basically it's your receipt for getting fucked by the city of. <laughs> but um. Oh, I don't even God. know how this is going to turn out. That's a strong open. That's it is a, strong a really strong opening opening act. open. Yeah, this movie is great. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it, what the hell is wrong with you? You got to watch this movie and uh, join us again next week. We'll yeah. be back. <laughs>